Hello, happy Thursday. We'll see if this actually goes out on Thursday. I'm telling you, I really need to commit to a day that this is actually going to come out because it's supposed to be Thursdays. But like I said, I feel like it's more of a Friday situation. So you know what? I think I'm going to make the executive decision. It is going to be a Friday show. I'm glad that we just went through that. Um, Hold on. I'm texting Tabor. I need my computer charger. Where is it? Side of the bed. Where are you? In your office. Marco, your office. I'll get him to say hi. Um, so I did not do an episode last week because I still feel silly even calling these episodes. I guess that's what it is, though. I didn't do an episode last... Hi. Tabor, do you want to say hi? Hi. Do you want to say hi closer? Hi. You didn't get me a um, a boom. What is it called? A pop filter. Um, it's still going to be a little poppy because Tabor told me he was going to give me a pop filter, but we haven't done that yet. Okay, hold on. i got to plug my computer in. Okay, we're in business. We're going to see how long I can talk for, but I think, I know I said this last time, but I think this episode is going to be like shorter than the other ones because I only have, I would say like an hour to record and edit this, which by the way, I... I, I think I'm going to commit to not editing anything because then I start getting really picky and I'm like, ah, oh, did I say something that was weird? And then I spend like two hours editing a 45 minute episode and then it gets really silly. So I think I'm just going to talk. And if I say um too much or like too much, who gives a shit? Like, again, I'm pretty sure there's seven people total who have listened to this from start to finish. Um, so it's really your loss. But I only have like an hour to do this because I'm doing something really exciting today. I am going away for the first time away from my child and it's still only for like less than 24 hours. But in the year that my daughter has been alive, I have never spent the night away from her, which is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. I remember at our first pediatrician appointment, um, our pediatrician was like, you guys need to do weekly, to really try to commit to weekly date nights, which is really hard. And we've absolutely not done that. Um, and then also one overnight trip per quarter. And I was like, oh, that sounds like a great idea. Like I could definitely do that. She's a year old and I've never left her overnight. And I want to be clear. It is not for a lack of trying. Like I would love to go on vacation. I would love to spend a couple nights away. I just like Nobody has presented me with the opportunity and those who have presented me with the opportunity. It just like doesn't make sense. I didn't really have anywhere to go. Um, Tamar and I tried to schedule a vacation for this summer, but then like it was going to be for this weekend, but we just had other things to do. But I guess that's like what people say is you're always going to find a reason to have other things to do. But the moral of the story is that my two best girlfriends, we are celebrating my 30th birthday late and we're going to go out to dinner and then do a cocktail bar. And we have a hotel at um, this really cool hotel in Detroit. If you're from this area, you know Shinola. Um, And we're just gonna like have a girl's night. And we're leaving all the babies. One of the girl has, or one of the girls has a three month old. She texted me this morning. She's like, I'm so nervous to leave her. And I was like, this is gonna sound bad. But she was like, I'm so nervous to leave her. I was like, are you nervous to leave her with your parents? Are you just like, like that they're going to like mess up the schedule or anything? Or are you just like nervous to leave her? She's like, no, I just feel nervous to leave her. I'm like, that'll pass. (laughs) Like, I, which sounds bad, but this actually, okay. So I had this conversation with my other best friend, Matt, who I've talked about a lot. And if you're listening to this, you know who I am and you know who Matt is. He 
had a layover. He's in London. He lives in London right now. And he had a layover um, flying back to London from Kentucky. He had a layover in Detroit. And so I kidnapped him from the airport and we hung out for a couple hours. But I was talking to him about how I am like, I just feel brain dead all the time. I feel brain dead. I saw a TikTok recently of this girl who was like, I feel like, and she's still working. I was like, she went back to work. She didn't stay home with her kids like I'm doing right now. She was like, I feel smarter in my job. I feel better at my job now that I'm a mom. I feel like I can think more critically. I feel like I have these other life skills that can um, like play into my job. I think she had some sort of corporate job. I don't remember. It doesn't matter. But I literally couldn't disagree with that more. I feel like being a parent, I feel like I have brain damage. Like, I don't feel like even trying to set up a Zoom call with Maggie to record a fucking podcast, I couldn't figure out. Like, I just feel like I have, I truly think, feel like I have brain damage. And Matt was like, I feel like it's because you're not being intellectually stimulated ever. And I feel like that is probably true. Um, But then we started talking about like, you know, I felt super comfortable in leaving my job and staying home with Rue, again, we've established that it made negative sense for me to keep working from like a financial standpoint. There was, it was impossible to justify. We've been through this a million times. However, like I see now that there is an argument for like your own, like if you're a person, which again, we've established that I am, who values your intellectual capabilities and the parts of you who are good at or that are good at doing things other than like teaching a baby how to feed themselves. Like you do, I feel, I genuinely feel deficits in those areas. And I miss that sort of like, I miss having a purpose other than baby things, which I think a lot of people feel that way. It's an honest thing to say. Um, And then we started talking about like, you know, yeah, I felt, like I said, I felt so comfortable staying home with her because I could not have fathomed going back to work, sitting at a desk for eight hours a day after 10, 12 weeks of maternity leave. I, I, I don't understand how women do it. And I know like the vast majority of women have to go back to work after such a short amount of time. I would never have felt ready. I did not feel ready. Like my friend, right now who has a three month old. She's like, I don't feel ready to leave her. And I know I felt that way too, but now I feel comfortable, which proves that the maternity leave policy in the United States is despicable because I didn't feel ready at three months and women don't feel ready at three months. Some probably do, but everyone I've talked to is like, no, I, but, but you just do it because you have to. And then it gets easier over time. Well, it gets easier over time because then eventually you're at a point where you would be comfortable. Like right now, I think probably maybe like nine months, I would have been ready. And I started thinking about like, oh yeah, it would be nice to have like, and that's honestly, that's when I reached out for help because I felt comfortable leaving her with someone who wasn't me or stimulating her in a different environment. So I don't know. My point is I've been thinking about this and then obviously it came back around to policies in the United States that I wish I could change, which is really how all of my opinions end on literally anything. I could probably tie it back to something that I find that is fucked up with this country. Uh, but the maternity leave thing, like it honestly was like a light bulb. And 
with all of that, we, I think I mentioned that we are, uh, the part-time nanny that I had, she moved. So it's really been just Tabor and I, since he's been home, he got home a couple weeks ago and he'll be home until like the last week of July, which the summer just is going by so quickly. Oh, by the way, I'm going to, I have to finish a thought and then I'm going to, um, do a, a deck check-in. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, you're about to. So, um, Tabor's home for the next like four weeks. Like, honestly, it's already been two weeks. Like it's just, the summer's going to fly by and that's going to be football season all the fuck over again. So, um, we had kind of like a come to Jesus the other day about we've been, and I actually like cut this out of the last podcast because I mentioned it, but I just like, wasn't that comfortable with it yet. Um, but we have been struggling with me not feeling, I, I, I look forward to him getting home so much. And those, and people who solo parent and you have a partner who travels a lot, like you get look forward to them getting home so much because then you get a quote unquote break. And I'm doing like quotation with my hands because you think you get a break. But for me, I never feel rested because there's a part of me that feels guilty if I totally check out that then he is full-time solo parenting, which I know there's a lot of people being like, no, he deserves a solo parent. It's like, sure, I get that. But it's, he's not sitting like, we, trust me, we've gone around and around and around. Everyone thinks that they're doing more. Everyone thinks that they're exerting more energy. Do I feel like I'm exerting more energy as a full-time mom than he does? Yeah. But he's also a professional football player and he's really fucking tired too. So it's like, I, I, when you go tit for tat on who's more tired, that is a losing battle that I will never, never give relationship advice on this because on this podcast or just like in my life at all, like my two, the only two pieces of relationship advice is that if someone is emotionally manipulating you, they are a dangerous person you need to leave. If someone is physically hurting you, try your hardest to find the tools to surround yourself with to start to try to get away from them because it takes a very long time. I know that that takes a very long time. I have proof that it takes a very long time. But the only advice I will ever give is please don't try to compare who's more tired because that is a losing battle. If you start to compare who's exerting more energy you will only start fighting about things that have nothing to do with that fight. You're just going to get into it because guess what? You're both really fucking tired. So I noticed that I was not able to fully rest because I felt like I, I felt a guilt that he then was so on. And then I noticed how exhausted he was. And I had empathy for that because I felt so it's like neither of us were ever when we're home, neither of us are ever fully able to completely check out. And then we had this big conversation the other day, kind of on accident of like, okay, well, people, couples with more traditional home lives, you know, one partner goes to work and they get home at night. And then, well, how does that, we've never really known how that division of labor works because that's never been our norm. It's always like, I'm either full on or he's full on. And that doesn't provide rest for anybody. So we've acknowledged that my mental health is way better when I have help. Our travel is about to ramp up again. So we are dabbling in the au pair 
conversation. Um, if anybody has experience with this, we have a couple of people in our lives who have experience with this and they are really, we've learned a lot and it sounds promising, especially having someone else in our home who, you know, kind of gives me just more comfort with someone else being home all the time. So it's just something that we're exploring um, because it really was this kind of light bulb of like, I feel like I'm almost wishing time away until he can get home. And then I have anxiety when he is home that he's about to leave again. And then I, and I never get to fully turn off. And this, I, I feel like I'm not even making sense with this. And this is probably an overshare. I know it's an overshare, but like, I probably just should have named this podcast oversharing. Um, because I think that's kind of the whole point is I'm just talking about things that I'm like screaming into a void and I just want someone to listen. Um, but if anybody has any experience with, um, an au pair, I would really love to hear Matt. He grew up with au pairs. So like he had, he literally had like 12 of them. So he's given me a lot of information from like the child side, which I think is a really interesting perspective. And then, um, we have people in our lives who have hired them as well. So, that's something that we are dabbling with updates to come. Okay. I would love to give a brief saga of my motherfucking deck situation. And I'm saying deck by the way, D E C K. So we moved into this house and it was like 75% done. It had no finished basement. It did not have a deck. So it has a second story. It, it is built for a second story deck because it's like sloped in the back. So like porch deck thing, we have a door off of our like kitchen breakfast nook that like goes to nowhere. Like there's like like slats in front of it. So if you were, if, and when we open the door, like you don't just like fall to your death. Cause it's two stories up. So we've lived here since January, 2021. The first year I was like, we're paying for this wedding. We can't like, we don't have, we don't want to spend the money on a deck because by the way, it used to be like a couple grand to build any sort of like, like a porch of some kind. Well, I'm not going to give the exact number that I was quoted, but it's, it's, it's paying cash for a really nice car. Okay. Like a luxury car. And I said, absolutely not. So that was the year that we were doing the wedding. And then in 2022, I got a whole bunch of quotes. I still was like, eh, I'm pregnant. We're going to have a baby in the summer. I don't want a whole shit ton of construction. We're paying for like this massive landscaping install, which has by the way, turned out to be like the light of my life. I, I've really become a plant person, but I don't know anything. I'm just kind of guessing, which is becoming really expensive because then I'm killing things. It's a whole thing. So anyway, um, this year I'm like, we absolutely have to, we, we need a deck. Like our, our, I'm sick of sitting in the driveway. Driveway drinking is our favorite pastime, but like, I'm sick of sitting in the driveway. I would like to sit in my backyard on a really nice Adirondack chair with a footstool an Aperol spritz, and I get to look at the wildlife behind me. And I also really would like to be able to put my dogs outside and not have to watch them of one, like running into the street, getting hit by a car, chasing a deer, running away. Like it's literally a fucking rat race constantly of making sure my dogs aren't running away. So I got a quote last October. I got a really, really low quote that I was shocked by and was like, huh, fucking yeah, I'll sign this today. Well, I, I had been going over and over and over. Like I had been bugging this guy 
And it's with a really, really reputable company, like one of the biggest lumber companies in the county that we live in. So it's like, it's not like it was somewhere sketchy. It was like highly recommended to the point of where our next door neighbor literally built a deck with these people last summer. So I'm reaching out to this guy constantly trying to get um, a, uh, what do you call it? A sketch and then trying to get uh, decisions made and then trying to get a contract. And I just want to sign a piece of paper. I just want, I got to quit hitting the desk. I just want to sign a piece of paper. Hold on. I need to take a sip of my coffee. Okay. So I feel like that was like a little asmr So I, I'm, this is October. Okay. I finally get a sketch in December. I, I'm like, great. This looks great. What's the next step? Like I am project managing this fool. January comes. I reach out and I say, Hey, I like, hello, can I sign a contract? Can like, I, it's about to like, I was told the second the ground thaws, we will, we will dig. I said, awesome. Well, in January, I can't really get hold of him. I call their main office. He sends me to, they send me to somebody else. And then that person gets me back in touch with this first guy. Let's call him Dave. So Dave finally emails me, uh, well, the next decision to be made is we got to buy, we got to pick a railing. We got to pick a color. I said, okay, dope. So I did both of those things. Don't hear from him. Another month goes by. Tabor and I are driving up north to a funeral. And I'm like, oh my God, like it's like 50 degrees outside. It's about to start getting warm. I mean, it's not, but it's February, but it's like, it, it's, I, I need a date. I still have not signed anything. And there's a point in the story where you're going to be like, Haley, you're a moron. Why did you, okay, I had, I'm going to, I still haven't said anything at this point. So many people in my life are like, let it go. Don't like who, like just move on, find somebody else. Okay. Well at this point I'm like, I needed to have signed something last fall. And if I even reach out right now, nobody's going to be able to do anything this summer, probably because that's what I was told last summer and the summer before that, because they were coming off of COVID. Everybody was booking out so far. Okay. So it's February. I get in touch with Dave. He says, okay, we will like, I'll send you a contract tonight. I said, okay, that never happened. And I kind of forget about it, honestly, because we were just, I had a big medical trauma happen. We had a whole bunch of shit going on. We were about to fly to Europe. It, I kind of forgot. We're flying home from England, from Paris. And I'm on an 11 hour flight that is delayed. I have a baby who has decided for the first time in her life to be a nightmare on a flight. And I have Tabor who is four days past his tolerance of a vacation. So I needed something to distract myself. So I decided I was going to start project managing all the shit in our house and needed to get done. So I emailed Dave from 12, however many, 40,000 feet, however many feet you are in there, 30,000, whatever. I said, Hey, haven't heard from you in like a month. I, by the way, I still haven't signed anything what what's going on I don't hear from him two days go by I called their main office again and I say listen at this point I'm pissed and I was like this guy has been jerking me around since October it's been six months almost six months at this point this is ridiculous um I want to connect like I need I just want somebody else to like flag this I want to flag this to somebody else to like that this is bullshit okay I'm gonna make the story go faster long story short the guy who the other guy who I talked to in like January who I called, who they sent me to the first time this guy, Dave was being a dipshit. Let's call him Mark. Mark. I, he calls me, I explain to him what's going on. And I say, it's, it's middle of March. Remember at this point I said, 
I needed this done by June 1st. And even that was being generous. I really wanted it done May 1st. I said, I needed this done by June 1st. Is that still possible? And he said, uh, it's going to be tight, but probably. And at that point, I am really pissed. And I gave him the exact quote that I got. And he said, okay, did it have this, 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 or this on it? And I said, no. And he said, okay, I think a few more weeks go by. And I still haven't signed anything. And at this point, everyone in my life is like, why are you still like beating this dead horse? Just go somewhere else. And I understand at this point, I absolutely should have said, screw it and gone somewhere else. But I got such a a radically low quote from them that I'm telling you was like 50% of everywhere else that I had gone, that that's why I was sticking it out because I was under the belief that I was saving like a lot of money, like tens of thousands of dollars. So, and these are all champagne problems, by the way. Like, I don't even think that needs a disclaimer that this is, this is a nothing problem in the scheme of things. However, it caused me a great deal of anxiety because I don't have a whole lot to look forward to. Okay. So I basically get a text from, what did I call him? Dave. I get a text from Dave yelling at me that I've reached out to other people. And if I have an issue with him, I need to go to him. Okay. Well, this is a text, by the way, I pick up the phone and I basically rip this guy a new asshole. And I am pissed. I don't even remember what I said. I think I might've hung up on him by the way. And I said to him, uh, not him. <laughs> Cause then I, I called Mark and I said, I think you need to know what I just, the text I just received. And, um, like, I basically just kind of said that I, this is not, I'm, I'm no longer working with this guy. I want to work with somebody else. And I want to talk to someone in, in, in this, by the way, he was like, Mark's not my boss. If you have an issue with me, you need to talk to me. He's not even my, he's not even my department. And so then I also asked Mark, I said, okay, well, who is Dave's direct report by the way? Or who does he report to? You know, while, while that was brought up and I said to Mark, okay. And I said to Tabor, and I said to everybody in my life, I think I said this to Instagram at one point. I literally said this to Mark. I said, this, this situation is making me a person that I do not want to be. I have never one time in my entire life ever asked to speak to someone's manager. The, have you ever heard of the term Karen, Mark? Have you heard of the term Karen? I am being a Karen right now, and I don't want to be. But he, this dipshit, has made me one, okay? So long story short, Dave is now out of the picture because he's a dumbass. Mark... And the, one of the owners of this company, I am now working directly with. And they, he said, okay, I'm going to redo this contract. I'm going to give you a fucking contract, by the way, because again, I still haven't signed anything, which makes me an idiot because I should have just walked away months prior and gone somewhere else. Again, I'm still under the impression that I am paying a lot lower. Fast forward. I don't know. We're, we're like end of April at this point. Mark gives me a contract and we go in to meet in person and he hands me a piece of paper that is double, two times the quote that I was given in the fall. And I said, I want you to tell me what happened here. Why was I quoted one number and I'm now being given one that is double, which is, by the way, paying cash for a very luxury car. And he, they didn't have an answer uh, we negotiated, we, we said, fine, we were going to do a, a screened in situation. Okay. The screen, the, we were no longer doing a screen that took off. I don't know a lot, maybe a third. No, not, it took off maybe a quarter. And I sat there and I thought about it. I said, well, I'm, I'll call you back. I'm crying hysterically in the car. I wasn't going to cry in front of those assholes, but I cried in the car. And it, it was alarmingly clear that 
this guy, Dave, gave me a bullshit quote in the fall at some point, maybe December in, in October, at some point, maybe in January, February, he realized he probably earlier than that, probably December, January, he realized he gave me a bullshit quote and was just ghosting me, hoping that I would just forget and walk away and he would never have to admit to the fact that he gave me a bullshit quote. But I was a squeaky wheel and I didn't stop. And I don't know if he still works there. I don't really care. Actually, no, I don't know why I said that. I actually really care. I really want to find out if he still works there because there was fallout from this. And again, he made me a Karen. I didn't want to be a Karen, but turns out. Anyway, I ended up pulling the permit myself. Um, and from the contract that they gave me, I decided to put my big girl pants on and I said, no, fuck this. I stopped crying. I called two other companies in the area. I uh, got new quotes to leverage. Um, and I talked them down $17,000. So, um, it's the most impressive thing I've ever done. And yeah, I don't know if I should go into use car sales after this, but I say all this because I got a text this morning, uh, from Mark, who by the way is a delight. And I really apologize for yelling at him. And he agrees with me. We are, I would say at this point, you know, business partners, um, I got a text from him about an hour and a half ago that said, I got the permit. We're starting on Monday. So, uh, TBD on if that actually happens, but things are looking good right now. And all of my furniture is literally ready to go. I ordered a bunch of shit from Hollywood. Super nice quality. Um, it like Adirondack chairs, a table. I got these other chairs for the table for a steal. I don't think this is interesting, but like anybody who gives a shit about home decor will probably give a shit. Does anybody know what that store at home is called or at home is? I, it's almost like a Costco. It, I, honestly, it's like a really big home goods. It's like a warehouse style home goods. I swear to God, I could send, I could spend hours in there. I have before. I truly have. So, um, I had, all, I have all the furniture ready to go because, and the reason why I wanted June 1st to be the, de- like the deadline was because of Rue's birthday party on the 17th. And it was fine. We did it in the driveway anyway. But I, why I was so hysterical is because I was sick of throwing parties in my driveway and I just wanted something really nice for her party. And it ended up being really sweet. And of course, it doesn't matter. It didn't matter. It was all of our favorite people there, our closest friends and um, my in-laws and my sister-in-law and her boyfriend came. And it was really, really such a delight. And we made a balloon arch. And um, when I say we, I mean... I blew up the balloons and my sister-in-law created it because I decided that I would rather uh, not get divorced and instead not make the balloon arch with my husband because those were the two options. We make the balloon arch together and it ends in divorce or we have somebody else do it. So that's what we chose. But, you know, I was like thinking about so much when I was planning her birthday party. Like, I feel like in the back of my mind, I, I'm like... I feel like I theoretically talk shit about influencer birthday parties, you know, like those big influencers who, who throw like wedding size parties for their kids. And I talk shit about a lot of like chuggy, you know, hashtag basic things that people do that I also fully do, by the way. But like in my mind, they seem like shit talking worthy. But in actuality, I'm like, you know, is this really harming anybody? Is it a epic waste of money for sure. But I'm also kind of getting to the point where it's like, 
if something brings you joy and it's your money to waste, like, I guess go for it. Like, I would never do that. Like, spend an egregious amount of money on a kid's first birthday. And the argument is like, they're never going to remember it. It's like, yeah, but they will. Like, the parent will. So, you know, we had, like, I would say a modest birthday party. Like, I did spend $40 on a cake for her to smash instead of just making it myself for, like, $3.99 from Meyer. But, like, that's called pain, like, quantifying my time. Was $40 worth the hour that I was – two hours I would have spent making this and, like, being annoyed about it? For sure. So, anyway – um, I don't know. I just feel like it goes down to like the, that, you know, that phrase, like, don't yuck someone's yum. I can't believe I'm about to quote Taylor Swift, but I think Taylor Swift said something about like, there's nothing like more losery than making fun of someone for something that they are excited about. Like, I've kind of had a reckoning about this. Like, I definitely used to make fun of people who love Taylor Swift, but it's like, I like a lot of stuff that is easy to make fun of. So I'm kind of over that. Like, it's just kind of mean too. So I, yeah, basically my point is I've had like almost like a little bit of a reckoning about influencer birthday parties. It's like, if if that's how they want to spend their money, like go off because they will remember it. And if it brought them joy and you know, their child smiled for even like five seconds, maybe that's worth it. I don't know. Who cares? Um, what else? Okay. I'm actually going to, (laughs) I, all because this is like there's no real like theme to this podcast I just like have a note in my phone that's just this podcast notes and it's just random things that I think of throughout the week that I like want to circle back to talk about because basically like I said before I've I've turned in the random shit that I post on my Instagram instead of just like throwing it out on Instagram I'm like putting in a note in my phone to remind myself to talk about it later okay I think I only have like 10 10 more minutes to talk um what are my notes oh my god (laughs) This is so embarrassing. So my therapist um, found my TikTok. And like when my TikTok first blew up in January over like the travel stuff, it was on her For You page. And it was funny. It was like, but but then it like will happen periodically where like my content will get served to her. And like she's great with boundaries. So like she's not going to follow me. But like, I mean, I guess she can mute me, but like, I don't think, like, I don't care enough for her. Like, that would be her choice. Um, but she was like, it was like after the first episode came out, or like maybe it was when I announced it. I can't remember the podcast. She was like, Did you? She was like, I found your podcast on TikTok. I'm like, Oh my God. And it was almost like I got caught. It wasn't like I wasn't going to tell her, but I like got caught before I could talk about it. And so then we ended up talking about it. But then I, I don't know. Then, It just, like, got me thinking, like, that's how fucking overexposed we all are, that even, like, our therapists are getting served our social media content, so it's almost like a big brother. Like, I just, I I bet people aren't able to lie as much, no? Like, in therapy, I feel like everybody lies a little bit in therapy. Like, you're, you're lying if you say you don't lie to your therapist, like, at least a little bit, um, so, like, I wonder if people just, like, can't get away with as much shit. Like, I definitely can't get away with anything. Not that I think she's, like, actively, like, searching. But, I mean, it's, like, it's intrusively just popping up. Yeah, I don't know. But we are just, like, overexposed. Oh, my God. that <sighs> I don't even think I want to talk about this. So, <sighs> the, a pressure. Okay. I need a sip of coffee. Hold on. 
So a pressure cooker topic that I have, which means that it's something that I have been stewing on for months and I like touch on it a little bit. I definitely talked about it on here about how I don't put Rue on the internet anymore, but like there's a couple people I follow. I mean, all influencers, honestly, there's like, I can think of literally one person I follow who has like more than, I don't know, 50,000 followers who doesn't show her child, literally one who doesn't show her kid. And then like one other one, like just started to not like just started covering them. It is just insane to me how many people don't think twice about like to have large followings. And I'm going to, this is going to make, I'm only going to talk about this for like a second because it really, it's very, very, very uncomfortable. And I, but it's, you have to be thinking about it. So what got me to kind of like explode, like what got the pressure cooker to like really go off is that I saw a, an Instagram reel that was like about, it, it was a girl being like, you know, I was raised with helicopter parents who were like so protective, but like one thing that they taught me is to not put your, your kids' names on their clothes. And there's a huge trend of these, like, I know everybody's seen them, these cute knitted sweaters with their kids' names on them. Super cute. Really bad idea. And it, at first it made me laugh because I'm like, oh my God, you think you had helicopter protective parents? You have no idea. I was raised by a woman who was a police dispatcher and my dad was a detective. I was raised with the fear of fucking God about any sort of danger. When we go to a restaurant, by the way, I have a six, I have a husband who is six, four. When we go to a restaurant, guess whose back is not to the door? Mine. I always sit facing the door because my mom, that's what my mom told me that my dad said he wouldn't go anywhere if he couldn't sit with his facing the door because he didn't want his back to the door because it made him uncomfortable. I like all of those things. Okay. And a big one is to not have any monogrammed clothing, specifically names on backpacks. You know, Stoney Clover has really like cornered the market on putting your kids' names on literally fucking anything that they could ever put on your their body or anything you could buy. Literally, it's like, a, I mean, a tube of lipstick. You got your name on it. But it is really dangerous in the fact that strangers, you're telling a stranger your child's name to the point where they can then pretend that they know your child. And your child thinks, oh, well, this person knows my name. I should know them. I should feel comfortable with them. And it's one of those things that you don't think about until you really think about it. And then it scares the shit out of you. And it, I was like, this is literally what convinced me to not put Rue on the internet. Two things. One, people being able to recognize her in public. Like the, of you see her, she's recognizable. I think Amber filler up or like someone, one of another big influencer who doesn't show her kids said that she was going to show her kids until they started being really recognizable. And I was like, that's, I I think that's, I mean, like, that's fine. If you want to put a picture of your baby on the internet, like it's, it's your discretion. But like when they are recognizable to the general public and the general public can call their name and again, makes this child think that they should know that person and be comfortable I don't want Rue to be recognizable. Um, And my husband has a large following. You just never know. So that's number one. And then number two, this is going to make everybody wince. And I'm 
I, I'm so sorry, but you have to think, you have to be thinking about it if you have a public social media profile, or especially if you have a large following with a public social media follow following. What really got me to not put her picture on the internet as long as my account is public, which it is right now, fortunately, for monetary reasons, because I can't now unlink my Instagram and my TikTok. It's monetized. It's a whole thing. I'm still trying to figure it out. Um, like, not really. I could figure it out quickly. I just, like, haven't taken the time to do it. So um, there's a couple accounts that really break this down that if you're an influencer and you have 300,000 followers and you show your kids, you have to be comfortable with the fact that a lot of those followers are not there for you. They're there to see your kids and not in an innocent way. And it is very horrifying and scary. And when you put a picture out on the internet, you lose control of it. And we've been hearing that forever, but I feel like we care less and thought less when it was about us. But when it's about your children, there's something about it that just made my stomach turn. And it was an easy, like, I didn't even think about it again. Like, nope, we're done with this. So anyway, uh, I just put that on social media the other day of like, I've been a pressure cooker about this. I think it is insanely fucking weird to put um, pictures of your children on the internet when they are in, when they are not fully clothed. I think it's insane. Posting pictures of, or videos of your kids in the bathtub is weird. It's fucking weird. Posting potty training con- content is fucking weird. Posting nude pictures of your children is very weird. It's not a good idea. It, and it's not one of those things that for me, that there's so many things in parenting that it's like two weeks your own. For me, this is not a two weeks your own thing. This is objectively stupid. And if you're not thinking about it, you need to be. Uh, and then that's all I'm going to say on that. I'm going to move on. Okay. So one more thing about the au pair thing, actually, um, because I'm looking at my notes. I There's a girl I follow on TikTok and we've kind of become internet friends. Her name's Kate. Um she posted something that was really funny and it was like, you know, it was like to like a, a TikTok meme. But basically the point was like, she was like, I don't, I don't feel the need to justify why I'm hiring help. She's like, I'm a stay at home mom. My husband works a hundred hours a day. I'm, I'm not interested in justifying why I need help because it's nobody else's business. And she said, there's no reward for suffering. And that's kind of, that was kind of the, the kicker with Tabor and I deciding that, I think we need help other than just relying on the other one to have energy to take over and be a hundred percent on. So the other person can be a hundred percent off. That just doesn't make any sense anymore. Um, and there's no reward for suffering. There's no reward for exhaustion. So that also was really helpful. And I think that that can apply to a lot of other things in life that there's no reward for suffering. You know, I remember hearing that with like labor, well, I don't know. I feel like the reward would have, the reward for suffering through uh, unmedicated birth would have been like not having epidural site back pain for six months. So like that one didn't actually end up applying. So <laughs> Whatever. Um, okay. I also had written down to share my birth story, which like, I don't care. I don't know if anybody gives a fraction of a fuck about, but it, I like never really shared it because it like didn't feel it just felt really personal and I think I kind of I mean it's it's not interesting to people who either don't have kids or don't want to have kids. Oh my god. 
Oh my God, I was just playing with something of Tabor's that was on his desk and I just broke it. <gasps> oh no. I wonder if this is going to be a big deal. Oh, I feel so bad. I feel so bad. It was like a little action figure guy. I just broke off his little sword. Oh no. I don't know if he listens to this podcast, so if I hide it, maybe he'll never know. Okay. What was I talking about? Okay. So, um, yeah, I don't think like birth stories are interesting to anybody who is like not pregnant or hasn't had kids or like doesn't want to have kids. So the fast version of the story and just be and honestly, I just wrote this down to talk about just because I was feeling nostalgic over her first birthday. And, um, yeah, I had, so I had a horrible pregnancy. I've talked about that. And by horrible, I mean, I literally thought I was going to die. Like I thought, I thought I was going to die. And I don't mean that in like, oh my God, the nausea was so bad. Like I had heart problems. I was given a diagnosis that of something that I've probably had my entire life that I didn't know about, um, because nobody, you know, gave a shit to pay attention to it because women's healthcare in this country is also like, I can't, ugh, I can't even like think about, I can't even talk about that right now because I'm already sweating. So, um, it was really bad. And I, the whole time, I mean, from, I remember, I remember vividly at 33 weeks being like, I don't know how I could pop. I, I don't understand how there's a way in which I do this for another seven weeks. I, I don't understand. And then like a week later, I, this, I was to a point of where I remember my doula telling me that there's a difference between pain and suffering. And I hired a doula somewhere around 30 weeks because I realized that there was a high likelihood I was due June 20th and Tabor was done with OTAs like June 16th. So I was like, okay, there is almost like a 75% guarantee that she will, or more than that, that like he won't be here for her birth. First baby, there's no reason for me to like go early um, so like, there's no reason that he, I don't know. I, he, he, I think I said this incorrectly when I first said that, like, so like delete the last like two sentences, there was a high likelihood that he would be here if I went like anywhere close to my due date, like it would be a quick turnaround, but like, we thought he probably would, but at like 31, 32 weeks, I can't remember when, I thought my water broke and I went to triage. I was like having what I thought were contractions. They were, I don't even know if they were Braxton Hicks. I think maybe they were actual contractions, but um, I, okay, yeah. So if you don't give a shit about birth stuff, just like turn this off because I'm going to end with this. So just like, you, we can be done. Goodbye. See you next week. Um, So <laughs> I went to triage at U of M and that's where I delivered. And sh- uh, they told me, I mean, like, no, whatever. I, I don't know if that's like, you know, I don't think there's any privacy. Like, I, we, we, I work at U of M. Like, I, I was going to deliver at U of M. We live in Ann Arbor. Whatever. Like, that's not, I don't think that's a shock. Okay. So, um, went to triage and they were like, you are dilated. And I was like, is that normal? And they're like, well, like you can, you, you could be one centimeter dilated for like your whole third trimester. And I was like, that seems weird, but okay. Like I'm not a doctor, even though all my friends think I'm an OBGYN now that I've just been the only person in our friend group to have a baby, but you know, okay. I trust you. So, but it, even if that like didn't really mean anything, something in me, I was like, I feel like I'm going to go early. I'm not comfortable with like, I wasn't going to hire a doula because I was like, eh, it just seems like I didn't really see a purpose in it. If you have a partner, um, but I quickly changed my mind and learned more 
And now it is my number one recommendation, even if you have a supportive partner to hire a doula. Um, but before I get to that point, I real I realized, oh my God, there's a huge chance that I could be like going into labor by myself. Um, and like, I didn't want to have to rely on my mom if she was at work and couldn't come quickly or if it was in the middle of the night. And like, she like obviously she would come immediately but like I didn't want to just rely on that so I just and I wanted someone else there for me and um so it all kind of made sense so I hired a doula she's incredible but she told me that there's a difference between pain and suffering in like an early birthing class when it comes to labor you know pain there's like a means to an end like you you know it you kind of got to get through it but suffering is different and Something about that line like struck me and it, I wrote it down and I, I'm like a sticky note person. Like I write things down on sticky notes and like put it on my bathroom mirror or like downstairs in our kitchen. Like there's sticky notes all over my house, but, and I'm not really like an affirmation girly, but like at that point I did start writing things down on sticky notes and putting them on my mirror, just things that I really wanted to remember. And that was one of them. There's a difference between pain and suffering. So somewhere around 35 weeks I was still nauseous. I was still throwing up almost every day. Um, I was in deep throes of depression. I was alone because Tabor was in California. I was not a safe candidate to continue flying late in pregnancy uh, for several reasons. So I was home. I was alone. Um, Probably like May-ish. And then I got COVID and I had COVID by myself and it was awful. Um... And then around 33 weeks, I thought I, I thought my water broke again. So I went to triage again and they're like, no, it didn't. And I'm like, okay, that's weird. But okay. Again, I believe you, whatever. Um, but I remember going to triage that night being so excited and I was like, oh my God, like, wow. Like I was, I was joyous. I even took a selfie with Scout. I was really excited. And then another week went by And I was starting to have, like, I had been having Braxton Hicks contractions for a long time, but they were getting really strong. They were getting worse. And I was like, this can't be, like, this, this can't be just this. Like, this is awful. Um, And then they would get really, on Memorial Day, Tabor came home for Memorial Day weekend. It was his birthday. And then he was flying back Monday, Memorial Day. And I was like, I don't think you should be leaving. Like, I'm feeling something, like, bad. Like, I don't, I don't think you should leave. And he was like, I, like, I, like, are you, do you want to go to the doctor to like check? Like, what do you, and I was like, no, it's fine. So he, he left, he went to California, but that night I started having real contractions. And then I called the doula in the middle of the night. She had me get in a couple different positions, get in the bathtub, whatever. And then, and so I was 37 weeks on the day and then it just stopped. Like the contractions would just stop somewhere around like 6am. And I was like, that's weird. And then that happened again the next night. They started at night and then they'd stop. And then it's Wednesday and it's my birthday. And I was like, oh my God, maybe like she's going to, which at this point she still would have been like two and a half weeks early, but like not the end of the world. Um, I went to triage that day because I was like, there's no way like this is, I'm in so much pain, even though like they're sporadic, like surely and I was more dilated but they're like no like again you can walk around like this for weeks I was like okay I went home 
This starting and stopping of contractions, mostly at night, went on for two weeks, and I did not sleep for more than a couple hours at a time. No, not even a couple hours. I didn't sleep for more than like 45 minutes to an hour at a time for two weeks. I went to triage one more time. They said, yep, you're contracting, but we can't like do anything. We can't do anything, meaning we can't, we can't, they can't do anything. I was still like 38 weeks, whatever. So two weeks of, and sometime in this time, my doula acknowledged, and so did a midwife at triage, that I was experiencing something called prodromal labor, which is basically when you just contract, but nothing really happens. And it is hell. It was hell. I didn't sleep for two weeks. I mean, truly. I would nap in the day, kind of, but not really. Um, I was not, I, th- I thought I was going to die. And I was suffering. I realized I was suffering. And Tabor got home from camp early. It was like June, spring camp. It was like June 10th. It was a Friday night. Uh, no, I lied. Saturday. He got home Saturday night. And I picked him up. Or, no. How did this go? He got home. He landed at like 5 p.m. He got home. It's Saturday night. At this point, I had been experiencing prodromal labor for two weeks. I had been to triage, I don't know, 15 times. Not really. Maybe three times probably three. Um, and uh, he got home and I said, I, I'm in so much pain. I think my pelvis is cracking in half. I am so tired. I can't, I I have to go. Like we got to go. So we went back to the hospital. I was like, surely I'm because they won't admit you until you're three centimeters. And I was at like, no four. I think they won't admit you until you're four. And I was at, they said two, maybe three. And when we got there and they said that, I started, it was a cry. It was a scream that I don't know if I've really like ever done in my life because I, it, to me, it was them telling me that I had to just go home and keep doing this. And I was suffering. I was suffering and they said, we want to give you something for the pain. But I refused to take a narcotic. I said, absolutely not. So they said, well, we can give you sleeping pills. And I said, because they, they said, you have to go to sleep. You have to sleep. So they did. I slept for like 18 hours or something like that. Um, and then and that was Saturday night. Sunday, I, and the the big thing here is that at this point, it was like, you know, Saturday night, it was like 1 a.m. really. So Sunday morning. And I was 38 and six days. And they can't, you can't legally, I guess, legally, they can't augment labor, meaning they cannot induce until 39 weeks electively, unless there's a medical indication to do so. And she told me that when we were there that night. And I was hysterical because I realized that I had to just go home and keep living like this. Um, and I also, backing up, I, I, deeply did not want to get induced. It's like the first thing I said when I found out I was pregnant, I was like, I do not want to get induced. I've only ever heard horror stories about induction. I want to go, you know, quote unquote natural, which by the way, hate the term because when people say natural, they really just mean unmedicated. And I'm going to be that person who gets picky about semantics because semantics matter. And for like all of my friends, literally every single one of my friends who have babies, every single one has had a C-section and has been to save the life of their child or themselves. So to 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 shame a woman for the way in which she gives birth like there's nothing more losery you could do by the way okay I think you're a fucking asshole if you do that 
moving on. So, but I really didn't want to be induced because I just had heard horror stories about it. It can take a week and it can, um, but I was, that night I realized that I was no longer just in pain. I was suffering and we went home and I, like I said, I slept for like, I slept until like 4 PM the next day. And then I woke up, went for a walk with Hogan, that poor dog. We walked and walked and walked and walked, um, went to bed and it started again. And I didn't sleep that night either. And Tabor got up Monday morning, went to the gym and I was laying in bed crying with Scout because I was in so much pain because I had been contracting all night, but then 9am like clockwork, it stopped. Um, I called Tamer and I said, you need to come home. We're going to the hospital and I'm not leaving. We're not leaving without a baby. I'm not leaving. And, uh, we go, they tell me you're not contracting. I said, no shit. I'm not contracting. I'm aware of that. It, I was all night, but it stopped. And they said, you're still really only two to three centimeters. I said, I don't care. Um, and they said, well, we are at capacity. And then they said, do you want to be induced? And I said, yes, that's why I'm here. And in the, the meantime, I had emailed my doctor and she was like, she's amazing. And we are honestly like close at this point. And she said, I'm going to make it work. I know they're really busy, but like reach out to me if they tell you no. Well, I hadn't even seen that in the meantime, they told me no. And they said, we are at capacity. And I am, I don't know if you've like caught onto this yet. Like I'm a woo woo person. I believe in all of the spooky, you know, spiritual shit in the world. It was a full moon the for the previous night or it was about to be a full moon. So it was a full moon. There was a massive thunderstorm happening that whole day into the night. Um, and there was like two other things I can't even remember, but something about full moons, it's like real that in thunderstorms or tornadoes or whatever, that a lot of babies are born. And so they were like at capacity and it's a Monday morning. Um, so they said, we can't do any elective inductions. Like, you know, we'll put you on a list and we'll call you basically. And I, again was hysterical and my doula by the grace of God um she said you know well how about we do an ultrasound just to see the position of the baby because she is in so much pain like do we think maybe she flipped because by the way I got like no ultrasounds the entire time I was pregnant which like turns out is like kind of normal but I was just shocked by that um I got like a couple extra because there were growth concerns but like even that was like extra and it felt like none. But at this point, Kathleen was like, let's maybe do a growth or like, let's do an ultrasound just to see the position because like, maybe she's breached, maybe she's flipped. And like, maybe that's contributing to why she's contracting, but not dilating. Like, let's just check it out. And the midwife looked at my stomach and said, I'm also going to check for fluid because you look really small, which is a really triggering thing to hear because I did not gain a lot of weight when I was pregnant because I was so sick. It was really hard for me to gain weight. And I had a, a really, I mean, it was, I don't even know if I ever want to like talk about that because it's really painful, but I had a lot of shame and guilt and I was like forced to count calories at one point to try to make sure I was getting enough calories. But then if I would force feed myself, I would just end up throwing up anyway. And I'm sorry if this is like triggering, but it was horrible because even like having a history of eating disorders, counting calories, no matter what the purpose is, is triggering. And I don't, I don't count calories. I don't, I don't weigh food. I don't, I don't count food. I don't moralize food anymore. And I've worked really, really, really fucking hard to get to that point. And then that really was flipped upside down when all of a sudden I was afraid of food, not for a weight gain purpose, but I was afraid of food because of the way that it would make me feel and the potential to throw up. And that was a mindfuck 
honestly, I kind of forgot about it until right now because it was so difficult. Um, but all that to say, I had a really hard time getting weight. And so that comment of you look really small. Oh my God, are you really that far along was really, really hurtful. And so in the moment that was really triggering of her telling me that it looked small and it kind of rolled my eyes and was like, whatever. But she was saying that because she thought that like, I didn't have any fluid, which turns out I had none, none. Remember when I said that I felt like I had been leaking fluid for like months? So, um, I don't, I'm not a doctor. I don't know if it's related. I don't know. I don't, I don't know anything, but what I do know is that I was, we're lucky that the lack of fluid didn't become a problem because there was so little. Um, but because of that, I was medically then, uh, admitted because there was a medical reason to induce and they didn't have to turn me away or they couldn't turn me away. So, uh, they said, yeah, we, we can medically induce, um, and it's no longer elective. So you're staying. And it was, I know Kathleen still says like, like the joy came back that the joy of the, the selfie that I had taken, you know, two, three weeks prior thinking that I was, <laughs> I was done and it was time, um, was back. And just knowing that the suffering was about to end. Um, and I still feel that way. I, and then like it gets, the rest gets really medical and like, I, and again, I was so afraid to be induced, but if anybody learns anything from the story, like it's like inductions don't have to be scary. It was really not that bad. I read a lot about the arrive trial of, you know, elective inductions at 39 weeks leading to actually lower C-section rates, which I found to be really compelling. Um, and so, yeah, it, but if anything proves how ready this child was to come out, um, they started the induction meds at like three and I won't get into the degree of that, but like they started the induction meds at three thirty or 4 PM and she was born at 5 AM, <clears throat> um, like 13 hours later. And Kathleen Ardula went home and if she wouldn't have gone home and I wouldn't have been waiting for her in the middle of the night, I promise you Rue would have been born like at least an hour and a half earlier, <laughs> kind of like held her in. I was like, no, Kathleen has to be here, which like hindsight is silly, but I really wanted her to be there. Um, so yeah, but also like hot take, no, not take hot tip. Epidurals are not immediate. I don't know who told me that or why I thought that or where I learned that they're just like, not, um, I was trying to be a hero and it wasn't like, I didn't want an epidural for like a, like I knew I wanted an epidural. Okay. I don't know. Maybe I did. I assumed I would get an epidural at some point. Like I f knew I would throw in the towel probably. I didn't want to like, I wasn't like obsessed with giving birth unmedicated. Like I just like didn't, I didn't put a lot of like value into that, but I did, however, put a lot of value into my ability to move around and eat. So I said, okay, yeah. Like when I throw in the towel, I'll ask for an epidural, but I pushed it off because I wanted to keep walking around and moving. There's nothing that is like more painful for me at that point than just like laying down. So I wanted to be able to move and I really wanted to keep snacking. Um, so yeah, I just like pushed it off and was kind of trying to be a hero about it. And I did like laughing gas or the nitrous oxide. And then I got like morphine and they started Pitocin and I just like didn't know I guess I just like didn't think about it, but I didn't want to ask for the epidural too soon because then like I've heard that it can take like inductions can take like six days. Like I, and I didn't want to, I don't know. 
the moral of this story is that the Pitocin worked very quickly, which it doesn't on everybody, like, at all. Like, this is just, like, a personal thing. Like, it, I mean, yeah. Like, they they turned it on at, like, 2 a.m., and she was, like, about to come out, like, an hour later. So it just, like, anyway, I'm getting too graphic with this. But um, I eventually asked for the epidural within, like, 10 minutes of starting the Pitocin because it was, like, oh, I think I'm dying. Like, I think my, I think my body is breaking in half. Like, my bones are breaking from the inside out. And it was like a half an hour later that that finally got there. And then it took another half an hour to kick in. So just like hot take, like it is not immediate. So if you think it's immediate, like it's like a, like instant, like lidocaine, it's just like not. So anyway, um, and then yeah, she was born at 514 AM on June 14th. She's a Gemini. I don't remember what her other moons and suns are, uh, cause I don't have any, uh, memory retention, but the first day was really hard. I think I was really traumatized and I know I was really traumatized. And I also like, I just don't really remember a lot of it. It was really foggy. And I beat myself up about that a lot for not really remembering and feeling like really present in all of it. But I'm like, okay, I haven't slept in weeks. I have so many drugs in my system from the, uh, induction meds and the epidural and all of the, like it's, you're shaking and then it's hormones. And it was just like, I was, it was a lot. And Tabor really like took charge the first day and he was wonderful. Um, and then I think I got, I kind of got it together like that night. (laughs) Um, yeah. So it just, the first day was a lot and I, and that was the other thing. Like I just, the, the other reason why prodromal labor is a special type of hell is like, I, I felt like I was going into, the newborn stage tired as fuck and I wanted to I was already so depleted and I was already so exhausted and um we actually and then we got a doula overnight like a postpartum nighttime where she came like 6 p.m or uh, 10 p.m to 6 a.m we got like five nights of that and we staggered it like every other night which is just such a privilege and such a luxury that I wish was free. I really do. I, I just, I wish that there was a way in which we could live in a world that everyone has that. And it was because my mom wasn't able to stay. She works and my in-laws weren't here and it, um, you know, they live far away. It was to have someone give us nights rest, uh, every other night, especially new parents. We don't know what we're getting into. It was really, really incredible. Um, and I think it's a really great thing to gift someone to, you know, if you want to make a huge gesture, you know, paying for a night of a doula, um, because it's not cheap, unfortunately it's, but it really makes a difference in the mental health. And I think there's a huge argument for like, well, you should be getting up with your baby in the middle of the night. I totally understand that. And I do think there's a bonding experience that happens with that. However, lack of sleep is like dangerous. <laughs> and, um, for safety, we needed to tap out, you know, whether you're tapping out your partner or it's, there's a third party that can allow both of you to rest. Um, it just was really, really valuable. And it's something that I highly recommend if it's something that you have access to, um, or if you're able to gift someone, it's, it's a really, it's a beautiful thing, uh, to do for someone. So, I've also thought about going to doula training because again, all of my friends think I'm an OBGYN and they also now think I'm a pediatrician now that their kids exist. So, um, having like a little bit of like background knowledge, even if it's not medical, at least in like the supportive areas would be kind of fun. Um, and I also like 
really love, like this sounds so weird and there's a lot of, and I completely honor people who have birth trauma. All of my close friends have birth trauma. I really don't. I really found giving birth to be quite enjoyable, which is such a privilege to say. And I know how pissed off I make people when I say that because it's the same feeling of how pissed off I get when people say that they loved pregnancy. Like I get it. Trust me. Um, but I think Kate Kennedy of the Be There in Five podcast, she said something on her, uh, what was that? Oh, I don't know. Um, she said something on her Instagram the other day that she heard that like some people say, like she's heard that you either have like a good pregnancy, a good, oh no, you either have an easy time getting pregnant, a good pregnancy, or an easy time giving birth. Like there is no world in which you have all three. <laughs> like if you do, you're a unicorn. If anyone got pregnant easily, gave birth easily and had an easy pregnancy, like you like write a book or like you should be in the Louvre. Like that just doesn't exist. Um, and I had a pregnancy that I thought was going to kill me, but I like had a really easy labor experience. Um, and like I had a pretty okay newborn experience. So I don't know. I just think God's fair. I think God's fair. Um, I think that's it. What else do I want to talk about? I think that's it. Okay. Um, again, if this got too graphic and you don't like birth stories, oh my God, I forgot the coolest thing. This is my husband's favorite thing. He tells strangers this, like people who do not ask and do not care and are like maybe even grossed out. Like he will tell anybody this. Um, my daughter was born during a full moon, like I said, a thunderstorm and she was born on call, which means it, it's E-N-C-A-U-L, which means in the amniotic sac because my water never broke. Like at one point in an induction, at one point, if your water hasn't broken, they'll break it. Um, but I had a midwife laborist. I didn't have an OBGYN. I had just a midwife and she was incredible. I, I didn't know labor could look like that. My husband said the same thing. He was like, I didn't know that like childbirth could look like this. Every, the lights were dim. I had a candle, like I, everyone was sitting, there was no screaming. Um, again, great, great privilege of not having, having, not needing a lot of medical intervention. Um, the nurse was sitting. She said, this is the most bizarre birth I've ever experienced. And she had been a labor and delivery nurse for like 10 years. She was, she was sitting, she wasn't doing anything. They were just sitting and the midwife was sitting and her shoulder was to me. She wasn't facing me directly. She was facing the wall. She had her shoulder to me. Um, and it was really, childbirth can be really, is really invasive. And to feel not invaded in that way was really, really spectacular. Um, but because I dilated so quickly once the drugs kicked in, uh, I didn't, they never needed to break my water. So it just didn't break. Um, and so she was born in the amniotic sac and it broke as she was born. And that is really rare. And they call it a mermaid birth. Um, and there's a lot of really cool superstitions around that, that like these babies have a sixth, sixth sense. Um, it's really cool, but because of all of like the spooky, cool things that happened the way that she was born, I am fully convinced I gave birth to a witch. It's just inarguable. And I also, like, I knew that, so we named her Rue, R-U-E. Um, and I always, my favorite name for um, a girl is Scout. 
which I think everybody's like, it's a dog name. Well, hey, guess what? I know it's a dog name because I fucked up and I named my dog that. <laughs> um, I remember I was in college and Samantha Ponder, uh, she had just married Christian Ponder and they got, uh, she was the game day anchor. They had a little girl and they named her Scout. And I was like, I am going to name my daughter Scout one day. Well, like a month later, I got a dog and I named him Scout. So I fucked up. But um, the whole time, like I just for years, I just like have wanted to find a name that was similar to that. Um, and by the way, the argument of people, people, there's nothing more, again, there's also nothing more losery than people who tell you that's a dog name for what you name your kids. Hey, guess what? How many dogs do you know named Bella? How many dogs do you know named Willow? Do you want to know what like, not like, do you want to know what the 11th most popular girl name is? It's Willow. Okay. I'm going to move on. Anyway, just stupid. Like don't tell someone it's a dog name. Like guess what? It's like, okay, whatever. Uh, The dog who lives next door to us. What's her name? Stella. Her name's Stella. How many people do you know named Stella? I know two. Okay. We're going to move on. So anyway, um, I wanted to find a name like that. And we have a little bit of a situation. We have a problem uh, where my last name, my husband's last name is Pepper. Everyone on the planet. So cool. What a cool name. It's the coolest last name. You want to know what could not be harder to pair? It, it couldn't be harder to name a child with the last name Pepper. I love my in-laws so much, but they stole the best girl name that goes with Pepper. What is it? Say it with me. Sloan. Sloan Pepper. It's a perfect name. So we struggled because I only like names that aren't names. I like names that are words. And when you have a last name that is a noun, that's very hard. Everything sounds like either a cartoon, um, a food, or a plant. Well, I kind of gave in. I said, you know what? It's going to sound like a plant anyway. I love the name Willow. That was the name that launched a thousand fights. Um, And I love the name Ivy. And Ivy Pepper is adorable, but it's the name of a person on a show. And I was like, oh my God, whatever. So uh, I we had a different name. I'm just going to say it doesn't matter. We had, we liked the name Remy. Um, but I did meet two dogs named Remy while we were liking the name. And I was like, okay, so now I do see it more as a dog name. Oh my God. I don't know. Uh, but in my mind, I started calling her Remy Rue. And then that went to Rue. And I, it was the only name that in my mind I pictured calling her. I had this vision of me driving and yelling into the backseat, Rue, Rue. And I, it just kind of stuck. And then somewhere along the lines, I realized this was in like January. And then I realized it was a real name. Well, there's a really popular TV show <laughs> with the main character's name is Rue that happened at the same time, truly on pure accident. And so that has been kind of annoying, but actually I don't get that that often. I usually just get like, oh, Hunger Games. I'm like, yeah, whatever. But like, I actually never read Hunger Games and like probably only saw the first movie. Um, but it was the first name that when I thought about it, I'm like, oh, that feels like, honestly, I'm like, oh, that, that feels like Scout kind of like, it feels like a playful, um, it just felt right. And we just like totally stopped looking. We totally stopped thinking about anything else, but, uh, it's a plant like Rue is a plant. And so I'm like, Rue Pepper, you know, very naturey. A lot of people hate like two nature names together, but like, again, baby name opinions, everybody, everybody has an asshole. Everybody has an asshole opinion about anything. So, um, it was in like Tabor and I had an impossible time disagreeing on anything because again, he hates what he calls a millennial nature names. Well, guess what are the only names that I like millennial nature names. Okay. So, 
But um, where was I going with this? Oh, oh. So we, you know, after deciding on this name that kind of honestly just came to me, I discovered so many connections. And I never thought that I really cared about naming my child something with like a deep connection. I kind of just thought I would like go for aesthetics. But I did realize that that meant a lot to me. And ironically, um, my grandpa passed away when I was pregnant. I never got to tell him that I was pregnant. His name was Richard. Um, And Tabor's grandpa's name is also Richard. And so, you know, that that R in there really meant a lot. You know, my, my mom grew up on Ruth Street. Rue kind of comes from the name Ruth. Um, I've had this portrait of Ruby Bridges hanging in my house uh, the whole time I was growing up, and I stole it from my mom's house when we moved into this house. I literally just took it off her wall and brought it to my house. Um, and I always thought that that was really – and then I kind of I put that together because it's also a really common name for Ruby or nickname for Ruby. And um, and then the, the – the one that really got me, um, I was named after, uh, Alex Haley, the author of the book Roots, because the book Roots came out, well, you know, my mom really liked the name Haley and my dad was like not convinced. And she said, Oh, you know, Alex Haley, the author, um, of Roots. And that was kind of ended up being my namesake. And I have that book uh, hanging in what is now Rue's playroom. And this was actually after she was born. But I was sitting in her playroom and I was like, really? I have a picture of um, my dad in her playroom. And I was just kind of like looking at it one day. And then my eyes glanced next to it. Uh, and the title of the book Roots caught my eye. And it was, I just saw the R-O-O. And I kind of, I mean, I started hysterically crying. And it felt very much like a... It just felt comforting. Um, and then there's been a couple other things that have happened that have really, like, I believe in signs. Um, oh, this one's kind of, like, silly. But uh, Rue McClanahan, the golden girl, the day I announced that I was pregnant, like, an hour later, Betty White died. And I like to think that they had a party up in heaven, and they decided that there needed to be another Rue. Um but what I'm getting at, and this is the biggest, like, just silly, I mean, again, I I believe in all the woo-woo stuff. I stage my house frequently. I identify as a scrunchy mom um, where, you know, like, I make my own baby food. We only eat organic, but, like, I vaccinate. You know what I'm saying? Like, that kind. Um, I was Googling, like, what was I Googling? I think I was, honestly, I think I was trying to stage the house. I somehow stumbled upon like a Wix website and um, I learned that Rue, Garden Rue, is um, a really, like, it, it in like that kind of world, it means protection um, and it can protect against negativity. It is, it, it's known as the herb of grace um, and that really was special to me. So, but again, actually I learned about like most of this after she was born. So it just, it, it fits her perfectly. Um, and she is hysterical. Her, oh my God, I I might break, I'm not going to break my internet rule, but if I were to break my internet rule of posting her picture everywhere to the masses, it would be this one from her birthday. And she just was hysterical. She's never had sugar before. Um, (laughs) 
but she had a Zingerman's cupcake and the look on her face, she was just, it was, she was ecstatic and it was a blast. And yeah, we had a really, really awesome day with, um, with all of her friends and family. And we went for her actual birthday. We went to the zoo and she met a giraffe. She loves rafts. Um, it was really awesome, but okay. I think that's it. I don't think I had anything else to say. I'm about to go blow dry my hair because I have a night out for the first time, a night away for the first time, uh, since I've been a mom and I'm really excited about it because six months ago, I don't think Tabor would have felt comfortable, honestly, being with her on his own. Um, but now he would like, i neither of us think twice about it because he's, um, really amazing. And, oh, actually I have one more thing. I really shit the bed on father's day. Um, father's day was just Sunday. Her birthday party was on Saturday. I like really failed, uh, with father's day in the fact that I didn't get Tabor a gift. I didn't really like think about it. And this isn't technically his first Father's Day. Like last year technically was, but Rue was only like three days old. Like it didn't even like it didn't. I mean, it wasn't like I don't. It it, it wasn't like a he wasn't like expecting anything. Like I literally had just birthed him a child. Like that wasn't it wasn't like that. But like this year, um, I really failed in getting him like making him feel special, and I felt really guilty that night. And I, he was sitting in his office where I'm sitting now and I came in and I said, I'm really sorry. Um, I, I'm really sorry. I didn't like get you anything or even though like, we're not really like gift people. Like actually that's a lie. No, we are. We actually really love giving each other gifts and like finding something special. And I don't know why I said that we are gift people. And so like, I think that also like made it worse that I'm like, I didn't really like, I'm just really sorry. And, um, you know, I'd love to like make you breakfast in the morning and, kind of do something maybe special tomorrow if you want. And he was like, thank you for saying that. Like, I think he was like a little, not upset at all because like, I was like, I've been really overwhelmed, but I don't want to like be so overwhelmed that I forget to do things like this and like make you feel special. Da, da, da. Um, and I did, I said all those things and I did throw in there like, but I really want you to know that historically father's day has been the worst day of the year. Because people with dead dads don't celebrate Father's Day. Usually on Father's Day, I clean my car out or I go shopping or I do something else to distract myself or I like, like, I don't know, drink a bottle of wine while watching like Schitt's Creek. Like that's what I do on Father's Day. Um, And to go from vehemently hating a holiday and actively ignoring it to then having to overtly celebrate it is really, really difficult, no matter who it's for. Having a change of mindset about something is really difficult. And he was like, I don't need you to be like ecstatic about it. And I was like, it's not even that. It's just the sheer idea of something that I've actively really ignored and really hated having to turn around and, and celebrate it, not just acknowledge it is really hard. And I think that's something that is worth digging into. And I've been feeling a lot of grief lately. And so those feelings were already kind of coming up and, um, it's just something that I struggled with on Saturday and Sunday. Um, 
you know, I mean, I even had the thought like during my daughter's birthday, like we were singing happy birthday and, you know, like Tom Petty Wildflower was playing and all of our favorite people were there. I mean, my best friends who don't live around here were in town and really the only person missing was Matt because um, he was in London. And I was just like, God, like, I wish my dad was here. And that is sad. Um, and then Father's Day was the next day and it was just really hard. So, um, sorry, I don't like crying, but that, um, happens anyway. So, all right. Um, I think that's something worth digging into. Um, I think I would really like to do an episode on grief and I need to ask my mom if that's something that she would feel comfortable talking about. Uh, actually on this note, we have a charity 5k that we're doing on Saturday, uh, with an organization called Ellie's place that I worked with a lot when I was with Michigan, uh, because my platform was overcoming childhood grief and Tabor chose, uh, Ellie's place to be his, uh, organization of choice for a program that the NFL has called my cause, my cleats, where there's an amount of money that's donated to a charity of a player's choosing. They have cleats designed, um, around that charity and it's really special. So, uh, they have a 5k on Saturday. It's a local, uh, organization to Michigan. So we're really excited for that, but, um, it's kind of good timing because I've just been feeling waves of grief lately because that happens at different points in your life and it's completely normal, even if it is at times unexpected and seems, um, intrusive, but that's why we pay for therapy, right? All right. Uh, I hope everybody has a great weekend and I'll see you next week. Bye.